Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to the second grand final weekend edition of Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your Shed Adamus. I am Corey Jackson. Shedheads, I don't really know where to go with this almost. I, I After watching the performance that the D's put on last weekend for the, grand, for the AFL Grand Final, uh, and then watching the two preliminary finals, to say that I'm excited, that I have a lot of energy, a lot of um, adulation, would be an understatement. I think when you see history happen, I think when you see teams actually lift trophies and, and raise flags that haven't been there or hadn't had success for a very, very long time, it has a way of motivating you. It has a way of making you feel alive. Um, and I know, um, again, I'm all over the board a little bit with this, but I know that a lot of you uh, AFL fans who have your teams, if your team's not in the grand final, you always look for the team that's the best story. And I think we really got that this weekend um, or last weekend, I should say, with the Melbourne Demons and their success. Uh, it's very hard to dislike the D's and the Dogs. Uh, both teams haven't had the greatest amount of success in the, in recently. Um, so that to say that beyond excited me and that I was beyond uh, overjoyed to see that grand final and, and knew that it was going to produce something um, is an understatement. But then also to have the preliminary finals that we had and where we're going to start this episode of Outside the Sheds also tells you a lot about the game, where it's going, the sport, everything. So let's start this off. The AFL is going to definitely get their big block so we can go over that that grand final recap. But let's start right now at the preliminary finals uh, and how great, uh, especially one of the matches, really, really was. Um, Thursday night, we got to see the Rabbitohs and the Sea Eagles come to blows again. And it was a kind of a one-sided fight. Uh, Rabbitohs 36, Seagulls 16. Uh, the Bunnies were just too much. The Bunnies were just way too much. Uh, I think a lot of us expected that. But the Bunnies were just just way too much. And I kind of had a feeling that this team was kind of a team of destiny and a team that was really going to do some special things. Uh, I, I know the Hoodoo said that uh, that wasn't going to be the case. That, you know, a team couldn't give up, you know, 50 points and quote-unquote uh, not make it to the big dance. But this has been a special Bunnies team, and, and uh, we're going to talk about them here in a, in, a, in a matter of moments. About some of the things they have done and what they're up against. Uh, in the second preliminary final, we had, I, and I'm going to say this, I think possibly the match of the year, the Panthers and the Storm. The Storm, you know, probably the hottest team all season in the NRL. You know, at one point winning 19 in a row. Taking on a Panthers team that's been a little bit beat up. Um, but again, somehow finding a way to win, even though they're not winning like they did earlier in the season. And that game, it's to say that it lived up to the expectations is an understatement. Now, if you were looking for just offensive dominance, you sure didn't get that. 
But what you got was, to me, maybe the most fundamentally sound defensive game that we may have seen all season. Uh, and, and just a game that will be remembered. So let's go back and just recap of these matches just to go into this. And let's start off with the first one. Wayne Bennett and the Bunnies are one game away from breaking the 50-point hoodoo. And that is something I don't think a lot of people were expecting once Latrell went down. The moment Latrell Mitchell went down with his high hit on Joseph Manu and was ruled out for the rest of the season, a lot of people put a just put a line right through the bunnies. And I was one of them, Shedheads. I'm going to admit, I did not think the South Sydney could go to the grand final without Latrell Mitchell at the fullback position, or at least even in the side. Um, I was proven wrong. The bunnies, once again, were just too much for Desi and the, and the Seagulls. And, 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 and even though they tried valiantly, um, you know, because after Cody Walker's two first half tries and the Bunnies going up 22 to nothing, a lot of teams would have just kind of taken a knee. And that is just not what Manly will do and what Manly does. Uh, they're a, a team that fights. They're a team with a lot of pride. Um, and even though they did score three second half tries to try to show that they, I guess, came to the stadium. And don't forget, there was a little bit of strangeness that started out this entire game. That the Manleys, Manly arrived to the stadium late because they got caught in traffic and had to call the police in to give them an escort. And if you know anything about teams and, and about the way that they want to start and have their pregame and maybe have a, a Monster Energy drink at a certain time or, or a Twinkie at another time or, or Desi might have to, to run the comb uh, through his hair uh, you know, 10 minutes before a certain moment. That was all broken up because of that. And I, when I heard this was happening and the game was pushed back 15 minutes in the starting time, I knew that this could have a little bit of a, uh, how should I say, a little bit of a, a, a hindrance to the Manly Club. Now, that being said, don't let me for one second try to sell you guys that's why Manly lost. Because I think if Manly would arrive 10 minutes early, they would have still lost that game. But it did have, I think, a little bit of effect on the Manly Club. Um, but they also ran into a juggernaut that they weren't going to beat. Um, now, this Bunny's victory is going to set them up for a possible fairy tale finish. And I think that's what everyone's been talking about. I think that's what everyone is kind of, I don't want to say everybody's hoping for. I will probably tell you that the, the, the Bunnies are the team that, I think a lot of people are hoping to win this grand final. I've never been a South South Sydney fan. Sorry, David Lindsay. You know this. We've talked about this. Heck, we went to the Roosters and South Sydney match. That being said, again, um, I've never been the biggest fan, but Benji Marshall is 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 probably my favorite rugby league player of all time. And to see uh, that he might have the chance to have that fairy tale finish, him, Dane Gagai, uh, Captain Adam Reynolds. We know what Adam Reynolds means. He's Redfern through and through. Uh, and I cannot, I still can't almost believe that he's going to be playing for the Brisbane Broncos next year. But what a better audition for him to go out uh, on Saturday and, or excuse me, Sunday morning, Sunday day for Australia, you know, and play this grand final in front of a stadium he's going to be spending a lot of time in. And then let's not forget the big, 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 uh, elephant in the room and that's that this will be Clint Eastwood or I mean Wayne Bennett's 10th grand final and think about that 10 grand finals in your coaching career 
The man's 74, I think, years old, and is not slowing down for a second. Now, there might be moments that they say he falls asleep in meetings. There might be moments that they might have to put a little mirror underneath his nose to make sure there's some condensation on the glass. But he's still one of the greatest coaches that we've ever seen. And he is going to go down as possibly the greatest coach, in, especially if they win the grand final this year, um, go down as the greatest coach ever. So that sets up a Rabbitohs trip to the grand final where they will meet the team that we're about ready to talk about right now, the Penny Panthers. To me, like I said, possibly the greatest game in the 2021 season. The Penrith Panthers stunned the minor premieres behind a inspiring defensive performance. And, and I really can't really even put to words the amount of effort that Penrith put in on the defensive side. And, it, and I think teams, you know, how many times have we heard this? You know, when I first started watching the game, everyone has said this. Everyone says this about football over here in America. Defense wins championships. And that's what we saw right there. We saw a team that was willing to put their body on the line no matter what in the defensive line. And that's what propelled them to this incredible feat that they did. For the first time all season, the Storm were held under 10 points. And the try they did get was in the 62nd minute, which I could almost consider this a fluke, but it was a monster grubber kick that Pappenhausen put down. It was... I went back and looked at the Melbourne Storm season, just kind of by, by round. And it's fascinating to me that on the biggest stage, with a week off to rest, that they could not muster more than they did. And it's not saying anything against them as a team. I know that, you know, early, early, you know, with the hectic cheese going down, Brandon Smith, and with Christian Welsh going down with injuries early on, and let's not even talk right now about how long it took them to get Christian Welsh off the field after you could easily see the man was knocked out and should have been removed way before eight minutes later into the contest. They just did not seem like they were... I don't know if it was the 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 pressure. I don't know what it was. But to me, that wasn't the Melbourne Storm team that I'd watched all season. And we always say that's why we have to play these games. And you just can't write teams into championships and just give them flags and trophies without playing it. Because you just don't know how teams are going to respond when put under the microscope. And and I think we might have experienced and seen that. For the first time, we might have seen, you know, a Melbourne Storm club that actually maybe thought about the loss of, of key players like Adokar being gone uh, next season and some key losses and that this might be their last ride together as a squad. I don't know if, that was, if it was that, but it was, there was something there. And I, and I can't really put it to words, but I think if you've been watching the entire season, you just knew that huh, something was just off with Melbourne. Now, we've talked enough about how Melbourne, I don't know, dropped the ball, I guess you could say, or, or didn't play up to their expectation. But what I do want to talk about is how Penrith exceeded expectation. And I think you knew what Pen, Penrith was going to bring to the table early on in the second minute when Nathan Cleary did that set kick to the far wing to Stephen Crichton to score the first try. And 
if you listened at the press conference, Ivan clearly said they saw the Roosters pull that off. I think it was round six. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm pulling this out of the air. I swear to God, he said it was round six when the Roosters in the storm played. He saw that there was an opening there, and that the Roosters tried to pull off the exact same thing. He said that he sees sometimes Josh, Josh Adokar creeps in a little bit and and braces for defense, and that leaves that wing open. And to put that much thought, that much breakdown of tape and footage, and to have the, the cojones, the gishkas, to try to pull that playoff, and Nathan Cleary put that kick on a line. I'm saying there are some quarterbacks in the NFL that couldn't put that ball there throwing it, let alone with a kick. It was perfect. And again, to me, that just showed a team that was on the strike and a team that was not going to be held back from trying to get where they think they should have been. They still feel, the Penrith Panthers, they have unfinished business. They still feel that they were the better team last season in the grand final, even though they lost it. When they came alive, I think they still feel like if there's another five minutes on the clock, they come back over the top of the storm. Now, that didn't happen, but... You can't change a team from believing and feeling what they believe and feel. And that's what the Penrith Panthers feel. And, well, that's what we have. We have a rematch from finals week one between the Penrith Panthers, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the team that in round 11 put the hoodoo in place. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you've already forgotten in round 11, the Panthers beat the Rabbitohs in Dabo 56-12. And that's when all the talk said that the, the pretty much the Rabbitohs could just stop playing for the rest of the season. There's no reason for them to play the next 15 rounds. There's no reason for them to even try to go to the finals. No reason to do that because we all know that by every means, it was over. It was a done deal that they couldn't win the, the, the premiership. And then you lose Luttrell. Well, they've proved everybody wrong. They've proven everybody that you've got to play the games and heart and will, an incredible coach and belief can get you anywhere. And that's what we have. We have set up for some Corp Stadium, Bunnies Panthers, round three, right? So exciting, looking forward to it. Uh, and I, I really can't, I, I don't know what we're going to get. I, I'm gonna, I have my pick, which we're going to go over a little bit later. But I think this could be one of those real matches that's going to have just some incredible, incredible, incredible performances. I think we're going to have heroes that we're not expecting. Uh, and deep down, I hope Benji Marshall puts on a display. I don't know how he's going to get on the field, but I just hope he puts on a display somehow, some way for this grand final. Now let's go on to the 40-20. And I want to start off with the, with the medals and the awards that were won on Monday night. Uh, all of you know already, Tom Dravojevic is a 2021 Daily M winner. Uh, he beat Cleary 35 points to 30 to win the award. Uh, I don't think, and, and just think, if he wouldn't have missed uh, those first early matches because of the race on the course, I mean, uh, falling in the shower. Did I say the race on the course, though? I don't know what I was thinking. I apologize. I digress. But if he would have had a full season, you wonder. You know, you wonder how maybe if Manley finishes in third, maybe Manley finishes in second spot. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think 
his strike, it's been proven, is not enough to take Manly fully over the top because they had a chance to make it to the grand final and they were shut down uh, and, and prevented from going there. But that doesn't prevent him from saying that he was the best player in the competition because I think he easily was the best player in the competition. There were some Smokies that were saying that they thought that uh, Cody Walker might be able to sneak in and win the comp- the Daily M. There were people that were saying that possibly uh, Nathan Cleary could sneak in, but I think Cleary's shoulder injury uh, probably prevented him from winning uh, you know, the Daily M this year, which you know, if he went a TikTok the year before uh, and, and, and wouldn't have gone out with the surgery, he could have been a two-time champion. But like I said, would-haves, could-haves don't count here in Outside the Sheds. But I really want to go over some of these other big awards that were won that night because I think we always look at the Daily M and 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 that is it. You know, it's kind of like the Heisman Trophy or the MVP of the NFL or or whatever. But I think there were so many other awards that were won that that need to be pointed out and need to be highlighted for excellence. Uh, number one, Coach of the Year, Craig Bellamy. Uh, Bellyache takes it home. It's tough not to pick him after. Uh, you know, leading his team to 19 victories in a row. I told you myself, I thought Robbo was the coach of the year for all the pieces and the and and the and the, and the players that he lost to still get uh, you know the Chookies to fifth place on the ladder and to get them into a a a a run into the playoffs. To me, showed you uh, an incredible coach and you know maybe my favorite coach in the competition. But that being said. Bellyache deserves it, and he is your coach of the year. Justin Olam was the center of the year. Uh, Brian Brandon Smith, hooker of the year. James Tedesco, captain of the year. Xavier Coates with his tackle on Dane Gagai uh, was the tackle of the year, which was an incredible tackle. I don't know if you saw that, but Xavier Coates looked like a quarter horse uh, running down somebody. And the way and the strength that he had to pull uh, gag eye over and prevent that try. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's one of them, like I said, that's the reason it's the tackle of the year. Tom Dravojevic with his coast-to-coast Tommy Turbo with Ruben Garrick try of the year. Alex Johnson was the Ken Irvine medal winner for top uh, try score. Ruben Garrick, top point scorer. We already knew that. Sam Walker was the rookie of the year. Hollywood pulls it off. I don't know if uh, Reese Walsh's off-field indiscretions might have helped that along, but we'll talk about that here in a matter of moments. Nathan Cleary was your halfback of the year, and as you can expect, Cody Walker was your 5-8th of the year. So, really great season again. Um, I I just want to really, from the bottom of my heart, from outside the sheds, want to thank the NRL uh, and, and also thank the AFL. I'm saying both competitions and, and Super League Rugby. If it wasn't for these competitions and the way they fought through this COVID pandemic and the way that they, um, I don't even know how I say this, continue to put their lives at strife from moving away from their homes for long periods of times, going uh, into bubbles, um, all of that, that they did that to keep the game going for all of us uh, is something that I, I I can't thank them enough for, um, and it's helped a lot of us get through these kind of really desolate and kind of bleaker times that we're going through right now. So to me, uh, thank you again for everything that you guys have done, 
It means the world to us, and from the bottom of our hearts, uh, you guys are the award winners uh, in, in my mind. Uh, if you hear this on the outside, uh, my outside the shed's wingman, uh, Zeke, just came into the room after he's been crying downstairs, and now he's bothering me. So if you see him, well, that is our outside the shed's mascots and my little guy. Now, with a couple of COVID cases, I think there's been six reported uh, in Queensland, the grand final has been capped at 75% capacity. That means a crowd of 39,000 will watch the game at Suncorp, but it also means there's going to be some refunds because they're not able to do 100% capacity. Uh, I think, you know, there was talk that they might have to move the game to Townsville because of these outbreaks, um, but I think the Prime Minister also knows uh, if she wants to really get uh, reelected, maybe not mess with the grand final and keep our fingers crossed. We can always lock down at the 22nd hour the day after the grand final. But uh, it's good to see that Suncorp's going to be able to host this. Uh, it is sad that I know there's some, some, some fans that thought they had been able to see maybe a once-in-a-lifetime grand final up in uh, Suncorp and in Brisbane uh, that are not going to be able to see it live. But uh, I'm just happy it's going forward. And 39,000 people seeing this is still going to be something incredible to see. Now, we've got to talk about the downside of sports at times, right? We're, we're realists here. Yeah, I'm the one that I'm the one from the from day one has told you COVID is real. Uh, that there are some people that should never lead and should never be president again. That's something else. But in one week, I would say that we've had an outbreak of the booger sugar down under, an outbreak of Crockett and Tubbs, an outbreak of what is that powdered sugar? Either way, whatever it is, a black eye has reappeared in the NRL. And it's happened to some of the key talent in the NRL. And it started off with Reese Walsh being booked on TikTok and in videos of him being arrested. Uh, and then coming out and saying that he did have cocaine on him. And being very, very um, uh, regretful. Um, I think the Warriors handled it the right way by calling the press conference, making Reese sit in front of his peers um, and, and ask for forgiveness and to admit his fault. Now, that is not how another team has handled this because after their loss uh, to the Penny Panthers, the Melbourne Storm and some of their two party boys, uh, as I say that nicely, uh, the Hectic Cheese and Cameron Munster uh, decided to go meet. It looked like almost the room that Tony Montana might have had, might have uh, invaded in the beginning of Scarface. But Brandon Smith is sitting at a table with sunglasses on, uh, credit card on the table, uh, a white substance on the table, uh, and, and, and a rolled up banknote. Cameron Smith, I mean, excuse me, oh, I'm sorry. Not the not the great one, Cameron Munster. I apologize. Cameron Smith is out. Has definitely put his two cents in about this, and I think it's a lot more than two cents about his feeling on what's going on at the club. But Cameron Munster, uh, it's dancing around, holding a bag of a substance. Hopefully, he's just going to powder some cookies, but I have a feeling that's not the case. But the problem with this is this: a, a few years ago, Mitchell Pierce, because of a a day of him being videoed with a bulldog got 10 weeks suspended 
and was the most regretful. Uh, he, it was horrible to see Mitchell Pierce go through what Mitchell Pierce went through. Now, did it maybe help Mitchell Pierce maybe clear up some parts of his life? I have a feeling it probably did. But the scrutiny that Mitchell Pierce went, came under from that moment of drunkenness and him getting 10 weeks, which a lot of people, myself included, said, say w- was way overboard. And to see that a few fines are going to come down from this and maybe a couple weeks suspension for these guys isn't enough. I'm saying Mitchell Pierce didn't do substances that were illegal. He was drunk. An idiot uh, for doing the things that he did and regretful and, 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 and definitely regrets it. But it's still not illegal anything that he did. Last time I checked in the United States and I think also in Australia, cocaine is illegal. And if that really is cocaine, I do not understand how the Melbourne Storm are not making these two players front up to the media and and apologize instead of totally downplaying it and hoping this is just going to die over and get, get it's going to get quiet. We're going to go in the offseason and everyone's going to forget it. If you saw those two players at the Daily M Awards, uh, they looked like death. The hectic cheese was with his mother. Didn't want to stop for much press. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Cameron Munster, once again, was looked like Cameron Munster, like he's always up to something. But I don't know how these guys aren't suspended for at least six weeks or six rounds of the competition and paying way more than the $20,000 and $40,000 fines, like they're saying that, that they're going to have to pay. I, I think you're missing the point there, and I think that um, you got to do better, NRL. I know that... I know that right now a lot of the talk is in how officiating is the number one black eye on the game and not holding people accountable. And the Penrith still has trainers running all over the field, even though they're not supposed to be on there but three times. Yes, true. But I think there's a lot more that we have to look at here. And I think the big thing is that players have to be held more accountable for, for partaking in illegal activity. Period. Illegal activity. That's all we have to say. Illegal activity. So... Hopefully, something comes down a little bit harder than this. I'm saying, hell, Toby Green in the AFL is is right now, and he might go higher, banned three weeks because he bumped into an official. Not an official that was carrying cocaine, but just bumped into an official. So, a lot more has got to happen here. And hopefully, the NRL comes with senses and actually starts to do things to these players and make them think this isn't a smart idea instead of just going, oh, boys will be boys, because that's not right. Now, I kind of am recording this late because I wanted to go over the Super League preliminary finals that just finished today. Um, And we've got our grand final set up for next Saturday uh, at Old Trafford Stadium. We're going to have a a Dragons versus Saints grand final at Old Trafford because the Catlins Dragons ended up beating uh, SKD, Sean Kenny Dowell, and the Hall Kingston Rovers team 28-10 at Parrot. Perpignan Stadium, uh, and if you haven't had a chance to see the pregame of the Dragons players walking through the streets of the stadium, and the smoke, and the, the the festivities, you know, when you make Jimmy Maloney go, wow, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, I think you know how much of a spectacle that was, uh, and it was really great to see. I'm saying Catlins has been knocking on the door trying to get to the grand final, trying to get success. Uh, we we all forget that just a few years ago, 
um, that they they played the uh, million pound match to stay in the Super League and not get relegated. And a lot of people think that if they would have got relegated, that the team might have folded. We, we, we don't think enough about the trials and tribulations that a Catlins team has to go, to go through. Getting on flights all the time. Um, and what they had to go through during this COVID period of time and the money that their owner had to, to shell out for the back and forth and all of that. I don't think there's a team right now in all of rugby league that deserves the rewards that they're getting right now more than the Catlins Dragons. Uh, I I am a big fan of the Catlins Dragons. I have been since Todd Carney played there uh, years ago. So I'm very, very excited to see what they do. Uh, and you've heard me talk. I think Jimmy Maloney might want to be one of the greatest under-the-table leaders in the game because you just don't, you can't really put into words what Maloney does. They say he's a pest. Uh, he's not the biggest guy. He always gets some type of a you know injury to his face. He got one uh, in this last game, but you can't call. You just you just can't really put enough words in place to say what this guy does to clubs. I was there when he won the premiership. Uh, I was in the stadium when when the Roosters won the 2013 Grand Final. Um, then he goes to you know the Sharkies and they win the Grand Final in 2016 under his guidance in the 5-8th position. And truthfully, let's, let's, let's be honest here. If James Maloney stays maybe an extra season with the Penny Panthers, you kind of think that maybe he might have led Penrith to a grand final. Because just think of James Maloney. Nothing against Jerome Luai. You guys all know, Shedheads, how much of a James... Uh, a, 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 um Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just totally drawing a blank. That's fascinating. Uh, but you know how big of a fan I am of the current halves combination right now with with Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. But I'm going to say this right now. Cleary and Maloney, if they would have had another season, I think they could have won the grand final as well. Just because of James, Jamie Maloney being there doing what Jimmy Maloney does. But I have a feeling that the Catlins Dragons are going to win this grand final. I just do. I think that Maloney... Has already said that he is going to play. He's not playing for Catlins next year. He's going to play with Sam Moa in a lower grade, and and he's going to keep his 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 family in the south of France right now. Um, but I just just feel, uh, and that's with Sam Tompkins in the lineup or not, um, because Morgue played an incredible match in the fullback position, even with Tompkins being out. So really happy for the Catlins Dragons, and then tonight or just a few hours ago. Uh, St. Helens, the Saints, beat the Leeds Rhinos 36-8. I was beyond overjoyed to see my boy Kevin Nagama getting a try. Uh, With Nagama, this being his last season in the Super League, coming back to Australia, I have not heard where Kevin Nagama's playing next year. And I think any team would be, they'd be insane not trying to bring in the Fijian captain. Because to me, Nagama is the man. I, I am... I cannot tell you how much of a fan I am of Kevin Nagama. Kevin Nagama, to me, is one of the, the really true good guys in the game. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough for me to, to root against Nagama in the grand final. So I guess you can say, you know, I'm going to be happy uh, no matter what because I'm a, I love Lachlan Coote. 
Um, and there's some players that I've definitely followed from both clubs. You know, Drinkwater was an ex-Tiger for the Catlins Dragons. So there's a lot of NRL representation in this game. And then you have guys like James Roby, who is the captain of of, of Saint, the Saints, uh, and what this man has put in. Uh, and he's one of the greats of the game, too, especially in Super League competition. So I think we're going to have ourselves an incredible grand final at Wembley Stadium next weekend, and it'll be definitely one that I'm recording and definitely one that I will be watching. Uh, and I am tipping. I'm going to tell you again. I'm, I, I am already... I'm not telling you that. That's why you listen to Outside the Sheds next week. I will be talking Super League Grand Final next week. So let's go into it. Before we go into our AFL recap, let's go into this 2021 Grand Final at Suncorp Stadium. Who I think is going to win this. You got the Panthers against the Rabbitohs. You've got Cleary against Reynolds. And my, as you know, favorite player of the game, Benji Marshall, maybe going on in a swan song, possibly playing his last game. Clint Eastwood against Ivan Cleary. Uh, I think this is going to be an incredible grand final. And I know that it's very, it does not happen often that a team loses two grand finals in back-to-back years. But I, I, for some reason, think the South Sydney is going to find a way, even if Adam Reynolds is not kicking, I just think South Sydney Rabbitohs are going to be your premieres for the 2021 season, and he's going to, and they're going to send Clint Eastwood back to Brisbane with another championship. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. I can't tell you who's going to be the key contributor. Well, we know who the key players are going to be, but I just think South Sydney is a team of destiny, uh, and I and I and it's crazy because six weeks ago I I didn't feel that for a second, but I just I just have a feeling that they're going to find a way to beat the Penrith Panthers uh, this weekend. So that is my pick. That's my pick, Shedheads. We're going to go over all my picks next next week's episode to see how I did and and run and tabulate some numbers, but. Uh, that is going to be our, our last match of the 2021 uh, NRL season. So, uh, looking forward to it. Make sure you check it out. It's a 3.30 kickoff, um, and I think it is on FS2. I, I'm not 100% sure. you got plenty of time to check it out. 3.30 a.m. Sunday. I do know that is when it is going to be played. Now, let's go into a competition that is finished and has crowned and given a flag to a champion, and that is the AFL. Because the 2021 Grand Final, out west, in Perth, Melbourne Demons 140, Western Bulldogs 66. And I I will tell you something. I was so excited for this match. You, If you go back and listen to last week's episode, you can see how excited I was for this match. This match was going to be special. I knew it. Both of these teams were were both in full strike and they were ready to go. But for two and a half quarters, the 2021 Grand Final looked like, I don't know how do I say this, might go down as one of the best Grand Finals in recent memory. Like a heavyweight title fight, both teams exchanged blows. After the first quarter, the Ds looked like it was their day to shine, taking a 29-8 lead over the Dogs. And I will tell you, when the Ds got up like that, the dogs just kind of look like they were lost. They kind of look like, you know what? I don't know if this is our day. And 
I was really wondering. But at the same time, we've seen the road dogs. We've seen the road dogs, and that's what happened. In the second quarter, the road dogs found their legs and form. And the guy that I think has gotten too much negative publicity, Adam Trelor, started the charge with an early goal in the second, and Captain Marcus Pompapelli kicked two more, leading the dogs to a 47-39 halftime lead. And I, and I have to admit, I think I sat at the halftime with my mouth kind of agape going, holy cow, did I just see that? Because I don't know if I've seen a grand final where one team was so dominant in the first and then one team totally blew up in the second like that. It was, it was remarkable. The third quarter started and the dogs looked like they were in charge and feeling it. And that's what I really, I really kind of just got that, uh-oh, this thing could be over with quickly. The dogs got up to a 19-point lead before the world changed. The axis changed. The earth tilted. Everything flipped over. It was kind of like the Poseidon Adventure. Where next thing you know, the ship's upside down. Because after that 19-point lead that the dogs built, the Melbourne Demons kicked six straight goals in 15 minutes and took a 24-point lead into the final quarter. I will tell you, of all the time that I have watched AFL football, I cannot remember a switch and a flip like that in the history of me watching the game for the last 10 years. I, 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 I don't. And, and especially not on the biggest stage in the competition, in the game. I don't think it's ever happened. Uh, and not in my, in my lifespan of watching the game. It was, it was, it was incredible. Uh, the, and then the fourth quarter was just a continuation of dominance by the D's. They kicked six more goals which broke down 12 goals in a row. They couldn't miss. They, they couldn't miss. Christian Petraka, you know, he was brilliant. 39 disposals, two, two goals. And a guy now that has put himself in the elite category, Christian Petraka. Now, you just can't say that it was just a Christian Petraka game because to do what the, what the D's did in from the middle of this third quarter to the to the end of the game was a total team performance. But Christian Petraka became an all-star right then. He became an all-star. And yes, he won the Norm Smith medal. We all know this already. But I think you there are moments in, in, in players' history where you'll go back to him and say, that's when the game slowed down for him. That's where he understood that he's elite. That's when he knew that, you know, it's an old saying, but it was he's a man amongst boys at times. And he can lift his game, which can change the outcome of the game. The D's, they deserved what they got. I'm saying they were the best team in the competition all year. And and and, and winning 140 to 66, I keep I, I keep looking at that score. And it just doesn't seem right. It looks that that makes it sound like a totally different game than the first two and a half quarters, because the first two and a half quarters was just strike football. I'm saying it was, it like I said, it was a title fight where two guys stood in the middle of the ring and exchanged haymakers. Uh, but you know, even though it became a blowout, 
76 points, I know, I know. But it really, to me, shows just what a team can do when it just all clicks. And it did. Um, ba- you know, I'm talking about all that, and I haven't even mentioned, you know, Bailey Fritch kicked six goals. And he doesn't win He doesn't win the Norm Smith medal after kicking six goals in a grand final. I will tell you right now, as this stands, the D's go into the 2022 season as the preseason premier pick. You know, if they don't have a major injury in preseason training or, you know, a guy doesn't say he doesn't want to play and just up and up retires or anything like that, this D's team is a team that I think uh, is the team to beat. I will tell you again, it still guts me that Nathan Jones could not have been there to, to partake. Um, to me, the, he, he is the captain of the Melbourne Demons. And I know Max, everyone loves Max. I love Max. But the captain, to me, that got them through those, those horrible times was Nathan Jones. Uh, and I know, congratulations to him. I said this last week on, on his two little, new little ones that were brought to this earth safe and sound. But uh, it's just, it's just, you know, there was just a little bit missing from that that celebration, and it was not seeing that bald head uh, being able to celebrate and just to be able to scream standing in the middle of the stadium, um, you know, that that his team had, had come over the top and won won the premiership and won the flag. Um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. But it was awesome to see Jack Viney be able to uh, to really. Enjoy some 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 well deserved victory in champagne and 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 exuberation. Um, a lot of those these players have been through a lot. A lot of them have seen some really really dark times for that club. Uh, it's been 57 years since they won the flag. Uh, so I don't I can't think of another team that quote unquote deserves it more. Uh, but hats off to the Western Bulldogs as well for their incredible season. The Road Dogs really looked like they were almost there uh, in the third quarter to possibly winning their second flag in in five years. But um, to me, yes, it was a blowout in the end, but it was an incredible grand final and I think a fitting end to the season. Now, as we go on to On the Mark, um, some huge, huge news uh, broke that I think is pretty damn incredible, uh, if I may say so. And let me read this. All players and staff at all Victorian clubs have two weeks to get at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine after the Victorian government announced. The players and staff have until October 15th to continue to work at their clubs must have at least one vaccination. AFL's not messing around. They are not messing around. They are going to make sure their players, you know, hey, listen, I believe in the higher power. We don't talk religion much on this show. I believe in God. I also believe that I'm not condemning any other religion. Uh, I think that if as long as your religion makes you a better person, it makes you look out for people, it makes you not say that science is stupid, but also that that the man upstairs probably gives us tools to take care of things. Like, guess what? If we weren't given legs, we wouldn't have been able to walk. So I do feel that. And, and like I said, um, Mrs. Shedadamas is in the medical profession. So I am a man of science. 
even though by no means I am not a scientist, but uh, I am, I, I can't, I, I can't applaud louder to the AFL and the Victorian government to step in and say, enough, this is what's happening. Because guess what? Here's my thing. I tell this to everybody. You don't have to get vaccinated. You don't have to get vaccinated, but you don't get the same perks. And go drive a truck. Go work for Bundaberg. But that doesn't mean that you are just entitled to play AFL football or NFL football or NBA basketball or NHL hockey. It's a privilege to be in those sporting realms. And you don't have to play it. Hell, go play pond hockey. You know, go shoot basketball down at the YMCA. You do not have to play in these organizations. But you also don't get paid $8 million. You also don't get $267 million contracts. You also don't get endorsements from Nike. So you tell me, if that's how strongly you feel, just walk away from it. No problem. Just, just go ahead. Take a step. Go. Beat it. Go do your thing. Go all InfoWars. I can't believe I said that name on this show. Do not ever watch InfoWars. Anyway, so uh, congratulations, uh, AFL, for to me, especially the Victorian government and clubs in Melbourne, uh, congratulations for once again being leaders, uh, I think, in sport. Uh, AFL free agency, it's begun. It's begun, Shedheads. And the big first splash, I guess, of the AFL free agency, uh, Jake Kelly has flown the crow nest and is signed with the Essendon Bombers, the defender for the ex-Crow. Um, and like we reported last week, Maribor Choi, Chol, Maribor Chol, is now a Gold Coast son. I know the Tigers are going to get a compensatory pick. I think it's a, a pick number 39 right now. I think that's what it looks like, a second round pick. But uh, I think in the end, uh, the loss of Chol is enough. Uh, it's going to be big enough. Uh, I think that is a huge loss for the Tigers, uh, and we'll see how they, um, you know, continue to navigate the Warriors without the big fella. But uh, we'll be keeping up with the AFL free agency as we go along. But it has begun. Now the AFL's appeal board will meet on October seventh to hear and decide Toby Green's fate. We're, we're going to decide Toby Green's shoulder. What that has to do with any? Hey, hey, watch out! Toby Green's shoulder's coming through again. Um, now the appeal board is going to decide whether to extend Green's three-match suspension and maybe, hmm, who knows, push for a longer suspension. Um, I myself, we just talked about that about the uh, booger sugar in the NRL. Uh, I myself think that if you touch an official, you should get a lot more than three games. And I've watched that video over and over again. Toby Green was trying to make contact. Toby Green can't get out of his own way at times. But he was trying to make contact. And so he should be punished. And a lot more than three games. That's my opinion here. You're Shed Adamas on Outside the Sheds. Now let's go into the guns. Like I said, because of the playoffs, we're picking two NRL, two AFL. Well, my two NRL are going to the two guys on the same team. They both got long ears. And that's bunnies, bunnies, bunnies. My number one gun, Cody Walker. Two tries, 100 running meters, one try assist. 20 tackles made in 277 kicking meters. And it was tough for me because I almost think that uh, Blake Taft, your future possibly halfback for the Rabbitohs after Adam Reynolds leaves, I think that he might have had a, a bigger game in the standpoint of 
what he did for the Rabbitohs by making them feel confident with him back in the fullback position. But he was four for seven on conversions because he kicked because Adam Reynolds' groin. 149 running meters, two line break assists, two try assists, and three tackle breaks. So, uh, you know, Benji Marshall has given his stamp of approval saying that he thinks for sure that Blake Taft is going to be fine and that he's going to fit into the Habs well next, next year with Cody Walker. I guess time will tell, but he definitely has played quite well in the place of Latrell Mitchell back in the fullback position for South Sydney. And he's going to have to be a key member of that South Sydney team if they are going to try to get over the top of the Penny Panthers here in a, in a couple days. For the AFL, well, you know that these are going to be two guns for those premier, the flag-raising Melbourne Demons. And it's very, it's a no-brainer. My number one gun, Christian Petraka, two goals, one behind, 39 disposals, 21 kicks, 18 handballs, three marks, four tackles, nine clearances, and 896 meters gained. Let's say that one more time. 896 meters gained. That is the most of any of my guns for the AFL all season. So when I say that this man has taken himself to intergalactic planetary status, uh, Christian Petraka, you're in a world all yourself right now. And I think there's only one guy that could come back to, how should I say, rise his game up to maybe look at you eye in the eye right now. And that is hopefully a healed up Dustin Martin for next season. So I'm really excited about that. But Christian Petraka, congratulations on the brown low. And uh, congratulations on an incredible grand final. And then, you know, I, I told you this earlier about, about Bra- Braley Fritch. You know, this this poor guy, Bailey Fritch, any other grand final, and he's probably the, the, the Norm Smith medal winner. And he can't win it because Petraka is intergalactic planetary, if you know what I mean. Six goals, two behinds, 13 disposals, 10 kicks, three handballs, five marks, 256 meters gained. An incredible game for the guy. Incredible. And it looks like, eh, yeah, not bad compared to Christian Petraka. So um, no matter the case, both of them are, are guns on outside the sheds. Uh, and congratulations for being premier champions, premiership champions, flag-wearing champions, the Ds. Now, outside the bubble, uh, we're coming towards the end of the Major League Baseball season. But one other big thing that's going on over here, uh, everyone's probably heard about this all over the world. Tom Brady, the Super Bowl winning quarterback for the New England Patriots, who is now a Tampa Bay Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Buccaneers, makes his first appearance back in Boston, back in Massachusetts. He comes back. Tammy's coming back. Tammy's coming back. That's right. Brady and the Bucks take on Bill Hoodie Belichick and the Patriots Sunday Night Football uh, for the first time. Tickets right now, they're saying, are going for $1,000 a pop. So you're going to have to pay some money to see Brady come home. Uh, You have to say easily the Buccaneers are the favorite team uh, in this head-to-head matchup. They're playing the best football of the two teams, and one of them has a seven-time Super Bowl champion, and one of them has a guy that's played four games. So... That should be kind of interesting to watch. Uh, I I will not say anything bad about Tom Brady and his greatness. He's not my favorite quarterback to watch, 
but I'm not going to by any means take away that he might be the GOAT, uh, even though it's tough to tell uh, in the game. Yes, you can say he's got all these Super Bowls, but again, we don't know how many videotapes they also had of other teams. Did I say that? Anyway, so big game, Sunday night football. Now, to me, the bigger story, but I had to pay respects to Brady and, 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 his, and his greatness, uh, is the Major League Baseball season is winding down. This is the last weekend of regular season for Major League Baseball, and to say that we've got some barn burners to finish this off to see how the playoffs lay out is an understatement. Uh, the Dodgers and Giants are battling for the National League West pennant. Now, the crazy thing about this is these two teams are so far above every other team in Major League Baseball when you look at their records, but only one of them can win the National League League West pennant, and that means that the loser has got to play a wildcard team against the hottest team in Major League Baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals. Figure that out. Now, Right now, the Giants have a two-game lead over the Dodgers with three to play for both teams. The Giants have three this weekend against the San Diego Padres. That's right. The Padres I was talking up uh, are now going to have to try to get in the way of the Giants. And the Dodgers have three games against a fellow playoff team, the Milwaukee Brewers, a three-game. So this is going to come down to it. And the, the like I said, the crazy thing about this is whoever does not win the National League West is going to have to play the St. Louis Cardinals, who right now can't spell the word loss. They, they, they can't remember the last time they lost, for crimey's sakes. So whoever loses has got their hands full. And, uh, you know, you have to say right now that it looks like the Giants are in the catbird seat. Um, the Padres aren't playing the greatest of baseball right now um, and really don't have anything to pay, play for. Uh, now, on the other hand, who knows? Maybe the Brewers rest, uh, you know, a bunch of players and, and it makes it easier for, for uh, you know, the, for the Dodgers. But I don't know. I, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see who's going to have to play the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals. That's, that's my whole takeaway from everything. Uh, now, in the American League, it is a real... Storm, And I left off the first part before I said storm. Because you've got four teams that are battling for two playoff spots right now. Right now, the not in the clubhouse fully, but two games away from going in the clubhouse are the New York Yankees. The Yankees have two games they've got to win this weekend. They're two games away from qualifying as the number one uh, wildcard seed. Now, for that second wildcard seed, you've got three teams just vying to get that. You've got the Red Sox and the Mariners right now are tied. And you've got the Toronto Blue Jays that are one game back. Now, I think this all comes down to who these teams are playing this last weekend. The Mariners are playing three against the Angels. And you'd have to say the Mariners are the hottest team right now of the, of the teams we're talking about. The Red Sox face the Nationals, and the Red Sox are playing probably the shakiest ball of the clubs we're talking about. And then the Blue Jays face the Orioles, who took two out of three against the Red Sox in their last series. So, I, I, to me, it's a pick 'em. Some for some reason, I feel the the Seattle Mariners are going to find a way to get into 
the playoffs, which will be an incredible feat, which will be something I don't think barely anybody can remember it happening the last time. Now, my favorite Major League Baseball player of all time was a player back in the day called Spike Owen, who played with the Seattle Mariners back in the early 80s, mid-80s, I guess, not early 80s. Um, so, you know, I, st- I definitely have my Mariner gear, but it's old-school Mariner gear back when the Trident was strong, the Flash Trident. But uh, I would love to see the Mariners get in. Uh, I'm tired of always seeing the same clubs. I'm saying how many times, how often do we have to keep seeing Red Sox and the Yankees, Red Sox and the Yankees. Sorry, Katie, I had to say that. But um, either way, I, I would love it somehow if the Blue Jays and the Mariners could sneak into the American League uh, wildcard positions. But I think that'll be tough to get both of them. But I do think the Mariners are going to be one of those clubs that make it in. So, I hope you caught up and kept up with me when I broke down our Major League Baseball rundown of of possible matchups for the playoffs. And we're going to go into uh, more depth over, because by by next week's episode of Outside the Sheds, we'll actually have all of the games uh, and all the matchups set up. So, we'll go into that in more detail. Now, that is going to bring to an end this week's episode of Outside the Sheds, Shedheads. I hope that you got a chance to watch the grand final. I hope you guys are, are, are already setting your DVRs or are getting your no-dos and uh, are going to hit two monsters at about 9 o'clock at night to be able to watch the grand final because I think it's going to be an incredible grand final between the Bunnies and the Panthers. Um, and then you've got some great Super League uh, grand finals next Saturday. So we've got another two weeks of greatness that we're going to be able to partake and take in together. So I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're feeling my energy. But until that time, stay out of trouble, Shedheads. Don't get caught. Thanks again for turning, tuning in to Outside the Sheds. Go on to my, my Instagram page. Give me a like over there. Send me a message. But until I talk to you next, my people, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 